Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And Ray, which thou like the taste <laughs> of butter, a pretty dress, which thou like to live deliciously. I fucking love Black Phillip. Hey, line! Ryan, you were supposed to finish the line. We were doing a line read. You I'm ruined sorry, it. I ruined it. I ruined it. I ruined everything. Ah, uh, fuck it. Uh. We're doing The Witch today, guys. Which, um, I, I said to Chris, given everything that we try not to get political on this podcast well that we, got we do. thrown we, out the we, window <laughs> we all we do last time ago we do it a lot actually it's okay we do we do um that got thrown out the window four years ago uh, now it's become a thing so i i said to chris i did find it a little interesting because we this was not the movie we were supposed to do we'll get into that in a second uh we decided to do this one instead and Obviously, we all know what happened earlier this week, and I just find it oddly fitting that this was. It's very prescient. Yeah, we didn't we didn't plan this. Um, I I don't want this to be like a downer. It just so happened to coincide with the bullshit that's going on in the world, and I have never related more to a 1630 colonial teenager in my fucking life. Hey, that's so... our that's our baby. When 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 art changes meaning, you know, depending on the viewer, depending on society, depending on where you are in history. So it's all it's all good. It's all it's all valid. So we're talking about Robert. Eggers the Witch from 2015. And Chris, would you love, if they don't already know, would you like to tell them what this movie's about? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I could give a synopsis from IMDb. Uh, well, this one's a little bit too short. So I'm going to go. <laughs> Chris needs it this... to have some girth. <laughs> yeah, we, we, need, we, need it, we need a little more meat. On these bones. So, how about this? Uh, quote, New England, 1630. William and Catherine try to lead a devout Christian life, homesteading on the edge of an impassable wilderness with five children. When their newborn son mysteriously vanishes and their crops fail, the family begins to turn on one another. The witch is a chilling portrait of a family unraveling within their own sins leaving them prey for an inconceivable evil. Leaving them prey to paranoia and religious trauma. Yes. Which Catherine, with Catherine, Catherine the mother absolutely has. Oh yeah. We all, we'll unpack this, but the two biggest things that I, I really took away from, um, like obviously it's a supernatural period piece about a family 
uh, a, a, a very tragic family drama. But I really appreciated, especially with what's going on right now, that it's this incredibly intelligent religious horror film. It's set up in the way where it's very open to interpretation. And I love that it's a sort of like a bottle episode or like an isolated set piece with all these moving, with all the pieces or with all the players being like these incredibly well-developed characters. And, uh, you know, we're recording this on June 26th. Just yesterday was the 40th anniversary of my favorite horror film, John Carpenter's The Thing. And there's a lot of like similarities in terms of the movie sets it up where you're not exactly sure who is the true villain. Obviously, there's an external malevolent force, be it the alien or be it the witch or be it Black Phillip, a.k.a. Satan, or is like the true villains like the, the inherent paranoia and distrust that each of the family members has for each other. And everyone's like trying to figure them out, suss each other out and accusing each other of witch th- witchcraft and devilry and false idolship and just being sinners all. And it's like, this is such a complex and interesting film. And uh, it's also my first time watching it. Cause like I, I always, yeah, yeah. you've never seen I, this I don't before. know why. I always mix up The Witch and The Ritual, which is also a great film when we reviewed it. But, like, I never just... I just never got around to watching The Witch. So I'm very happy to, to talk with Rye about it. I will say that my biggest problem with this movie the first time I saw it, I thought I was going deaf because it was so low. Um, so every time I watch this movie, I do watch it with closed captioning or subtitles because I still think it's a little low. Um, and that's just me, but that was like my biggest problem with it. I truly thought I was going deaf. I was like watching this movie through tears because I was like, am I losing my hearing? I don't know what it was, but, and I think it's since been like fixed because I just watched it. You can watch it on Showtime. That's where I watched it unless you own it already. And Showtime, I didn't actually... I didn't actually need it. I needed it for a few of the scenes when like people were crying and it became kind of hard to understand them as it, as it does. But I remember it being very, very low and dark the first time I saw this movie. It seems to have gone through an update, if you will. Um, yeah, that was honestly my biggest problem with it the first time I saw it. I watch every film with subtitles because there's, you know, I there's neat cues you could pick up from, you know, actually seeing the script. I, I guess similar to that, like, my my uh, sort of... I, I, don't, I don't think it's... It's, it's very, very mild nitpicking. Um, the, the movie is shot, inc- shot incredibly dark uh, in a lot of the film, but I think that's purposeful because it's meant to accentuate and emphasize like the sense of isolation and the 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 dire dourness like this family's going through because like you know they're they've been cast out of the plantation and banished from society and they're also excommunicated from the church and everything sucks and everyone's going crazy and because they're you know there's this slow burn of just descent into madness whether it's because of 
the horrible life conditions or the actual supernatural oppressiveness of this force, whether it's the witch or the black or black Philip. Let's rip off the, that this Band-Aid and just like get, let's get into it. Um, you know, a couple days ago, uh, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, um, and it's an attack on women, women's rights, reproductive health, um, and similarly, in this in this period piece, the the context or like the, the backdrop uh, of it is it takes place. Well, it, the subtitle of the movie is a New England folk tale, and uh, you know, and the very uh, early history of New England and the foundation of this country. Uh, you know, this country was founded for well, obviously on through colonialism, but also through the pursuits of religious freedom and expression. Which is exactly, I mean, connecting that one point to the movie that we're talking about, that is exactly what the father, William, is striving for. Part of the reason why he gets thrown out of their Puritan village is because his views are too extreme, and he's trying to follow the word of God as he sees it to be yeah, exactly. interpreted. Which is exactly what <laughs> I I feel like I'm yeah. gonna disassociate a lot during this. So if there are long stretches okay. of silence, I'm I'm honestly like my mind just like isn't here. It's not because I didn't enjoy the movie. It's just because I I'm I'm having I'm now processing us watching this movie and how relevant it is to what the fuck is going on in our country right now. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, but I mean it's okay, but uh. Uh, in, in the backdrop, the uh, the family comes from a Puritan society. The Puritans were English Protestants who, you know, they they were kind of like a counter counter reaction to the Reformation of the Church of England, uh, where the church, you know, got away from. Well, they believed their the church got away from their prime teachings, their core values. And they the Puritans went to America and they wanted to practice a purified version of their uh, religion. So these are groups that advocated uh, a more pure version of worship and doctrine. Um, This was developed into societal norms like... uh, like the severe aversion to self-indulgence, which is why, you know, women, you know, dress very, very modestly. They covered up themselves. Uh, this is where, you know, sex and lust uh, was extremely looked down upon. Not even just that. Uh, asking questions. Yes, exactly. Yes. Instilling extreme... Uh, authority and or extreme conformity to th- authority, which happened to be, you know, religious white male, you know, people of society, uh, and the, you know, the everyone at this time, you know, prior to like the age of enlightenment, this is where people's entire lives was revolved and guided and dictated. By religion and not uh, like uh, Christianity, Catholicism, 
or I guess Christianity, sorry. Uh, but a very, I would, I, I would even go far as to say like a, even like a, a form of religious fundamentalism where, you know, uh, it, it was, it, it was like very radical or, or I guess maybe not radical is not the term, but very overbearing, overbearing or oppressive. Yeah. Yeah. Radical and oppressive, I think are two extremely appropriate words to use in this situation. And like, we all know Salem witch trials. We all know the persecution of witches, not just in the States. It happened in England and, and Ireland and Scotland as well. Um, but a lot of, a lot of women that were accused of witchcraft were because they found other ways to do things and it went against the church and because it went against the church and God, you know, you must be possessed because you are not conforming. Um, when they're, for lack of a better word, puritanical remedies didn't work for things and they found what we now know as like homeopathic medicine work to do certain things. Well, it wasn't done by the church and it wasn't done by the will of God. So it must be witchcraft because you went outside of all of that. Yeah. 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 And then, um... you guys aren't, you guys uh, aren't um, <laughs> allowing children to come into the world the way you should. So, you know, you're going against the norm. So we'll just take all of your ability to, you know, have rights over your own body away. And, you know, we're just going to tell you what to do. You're all baby makers. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, uh, you know, all these were... It, 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 these laws or these mores, uh, this, this... The the polity of family and government society is filtered through, through this lens of a very specific type of religious interpretation. This is one that's very inspired by the Old Testament where there, you see this in, through the entirety of the entire, or the entirety of the film where, you know, man and woman and child, you are all with sin you are full of you're you're all sinners and you have to live your life in this under this very restrictive uh restrained way because of you, this the sake of your soul is at stake and going back to the movie you know you see this everywhere you see in a way you can see the movie as like quote unquote a punishment of of each of the family members of their specific sin. Um, you know, like the father, the father, he's, he's guilty of prideful conceit. Uh, the, the Caleb, he, his, his sin was lust and the mother, this, her sin was like avarice. Um, but, uh, you know, you could also say that's, you could call bullshit on that. Like, you know, like the father, Call it what you will, like, if, if he's actually, you know, guilty of pride. But his, the, the movie starts with him questioning the, the society and... Pride literally was his fam was his downfall, was also the downfall of his family. It was his pride thinking he knew better than the community that they had built uh, to go off on their own thinking, oh, well, fuck you guys, we don't need you. Guess what, Pally, you need community. To, on a basic form, not removing everything else, which is hard to do when you have to look at it through a mostly a, a religious context, 
you need community. Um, when you're already doubting your moves and sowing the seeds of doubt, it doubt flies rampant and it's like wildfire. It catches quick and that doubt gets spread through the family very quickly. And immediately everything gets turned on the eldest daughter because of the age she's coming into. Yeah, the sense of the father is like afflicted onto poor Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, or, or Thomason. She who, didn't do who, anything like, wrong. Basically didn't do anything wrong. Like she's and, and she's like she's getting the front of it because like. I don't she's a woman or she's like she's she's a young woman coming to her own and that's sinful and in, in, in like you know and like or and you gotta you gotta tamper out the sin you gotta make sure she's not a witch um and yeah and, and I think going back to all of this the I mean there's many ways to interpret this but one that strikes me as interesting is like Anya's struggle between you know, society and nature, giving into like your, uh, so for like, for Anya, like she has like these levels of oppressive control of society, which has doing not, no good for her. Like, like obviously the environment's unhealthy. Um, you know, whether that's because of society or these such supernatural forces that are acting upon the family really aggressively and feeding on, these insecurities but you know the 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 fit the the idea of the family isn't working for her the idea of religion and morals and how this the systems of how to like of, of instilling values and how you should live your life properly or appropriately or morally doesn't work for her uh and the more that these systems are breaking down or crumbling or the the people that she should be able to count on the most are just turning on her. Um, you know, Anya's turned towards like this more freer, liberal type of living. Where it's like, yes, you should, you should like indulge in your uh, in your worldly desires because religion might be bullshit. We don't know, like, like all of us might be just make-believe bullshit so you should like give into like temptation or just f- or, like worldly comforts because that might all there is not even not even about temptation it's also about just like you shouldn't be afraid to question things you're so when she starts to question her father and question her, his authority and talk back to him because she's defending herself he sees it as you're questioning witch. me. You're a witch. Right. Like you're questioning me and therefore questioning the word of God that I'm ruling this family with. So you have to be a witch. And not for nothing. He's like, let's take, let's take this as a prime example. The mother obviously forgot what it was like to go through puberty. So she turns on her daughter. Um, and just even putting that aside, Immediately, Thomason is the first one to get accused of that silver cup going missing. And we know from earlier in the movie that dad hawked it. He traded it so that they could get things to try and survive. And the older and the and the and he knows it and the oldest son knows it. And yet he does not come to her defense. And when she turns around and says, you came to my defense, but it was already too late. He called her a witch because she talked back. She was defending herself. 
Because the dad's sin is pride. Yep. And he can't do no wrong. Except when his daughter calls him out for his bullshit. As she should. As she, as she well should. So it's... It's... This movie is compounded with so much. Like... How scary must it be for you to be feeling a certain way and thinking a certain way because of hormones, because of things that are just naturally occurring that you are so scared of witchcraft and possession and all (laughs) that you do nothing except say, what did I do to have you bring this on me? Have I not been faithful? Have I not been good? And, you know, one of the biggest thing, one of the, one of the tests, especially during the Salem witch trial, one of the tests that they gave them was if someone was accused of witchcraft, they used to have them sit there and like recite with them, like the father does in the movie. And if they can't do it, you must be a witch. You must be possessed by the devil. Forget about you're being put on the spot and you're being pressured and you're probably scared for your life. No, 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 it's none, it's none of that. You're possessed by the devil. That's the only excuse that you have to forget the Lord and the Lord's prayer. Come the fuck on. I I had a question about that. So that one scene, which is very creepy and I loved it. Oh, with um, the kids? With, with the twins. That was a common thing in, you actually saw it in the Scarlet Letter and it was a common thing in the Salem Witch Trials. Once someone was standing up there and accused they all, all a lot of the girls that were accusing these women would start to talk in unison like they were possessed like she like they were doing it while she, they were right there it, it was a vi- yeah my question was with Tom and Mercy they they were reciting prayer and they i think i think i think Thomas was the first one to do it he was like i don't remember my prayer and then he started like flailing around f- flailing around so I, I was watching a lot of, like, analysis videos, and they were saying they were doing it on purpose to throw Thomason under the bus. When I first watched it, I thought they were legit being possessed by Witch or by Black Phillip because they were they were just acting weird the entire time, and they would talk to Black Phillip. So what is, what is your opinion? Were they actually, like, just throwing their sister under the bus, or were... Or were they acting? I thought they were legit being possessed. I only say that they were acting to throw their sister under the bus because you saw evidence of that during the Salem Witch Trials um, of kids behaving that way. Like, as suddenly as it came on in that scene is how it happened, like, in the middle of, like, their church, like, where all of this went down. So... It was like their space. It would start with one girl would start the way the brother did. And then everyone would join in. It would be like a whole thing. Um, so I, that's just me. That's what I think. Okay. From a, from a supernatural fantastical point of view, I would love to believe that it was the twins the whole time that brought, that introduced Black Phillip to the farm. Because they're the ones... That you see playing with Black Phillip while everyone else is trying to, like, do their work. Like, Thomason, Thomason tries to get their attention and it doesn't work. So she is literally doing her farm chores. Mom's praying and Caleb and Dad are out in the woods. But immediately when they come back, 
Who does mom direct her anger towards because they're behind because nothing got done? Thomason. Yeah, and I think it's like it's a sort of like idle hands of the devil kind of thing because like the the removed from society, the the dad's sucks at everything except chopping wood. You know he can't grow corn. The family's gonna starve. Caleb is trying to you know step up uh, and you know help out his father with with stuff. And he's also dealing with hormones of a certain kind because he's watching his sister slowly become a woman as she goes through puberty and stuff like that. And it's his wandering eye. But of course, we blame Thomason because it must oh, be her. Yes. She must be a whore. She must be a slut because why else would her brother all of a sudden find, like, be looking at her a certain way? Definitely. Also, it is oddly sensual to have a 16-year-old girl untie her dad's shirt and, like, undress him to wash him. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I was thinking about, like, Thompson and Mercy. Like, you know, they're removed from society. They don't have, like, structures. They, they, they're not going to school. They're And they're just off getting into mischief. And, you know, you, you could... And they're just... They're creepy and weird and, you know, or... And, you know, you could say it, you could read it as like, oh, yeah, these kids, they're unsupervised and the devil's gonna, you know, have his fun and, and make them use them as his agents to turn against the rest of the, turn them against the rest of the family. I mean, it's better than what happened to baby Samuel. Ah, uh, yes. Baby Sam, who's unbaptized because this, this notion that all people are born with sin and and yeah i don't know i obviously you could hear my disdain for organized religion i respect religion as, through like a philosoph- through a, through a philosophical standpoint like i find it really interesting how people can find meaning through theology and religion and as a way to understand the world but organized religion for me yeah. So. <laughs> so I was I was raised Jewish. I was bat mitzvahed. Um, I'm also adopted, so I was not born Jewish. Uh, I was converted at birth, which I didn't know until much later in life. This is Ryan also airing her, I guess, a uh, some form of religious trauma or just trauma in general. That's the that's the theme of this movie: religious trauma. <laughs> It, you know, it really, and, fam- and generational and familial trauma as well, which, you know, Odin knows I've got plenty of. But I found out shortly before I got bat mitzvahed that I basically had to, like, not be born again, but I had to, like, get reconverted, I guess, or something, or, like, re-up my quote-unquote conversion or something like that. And I had to go through in a, uh, this whole process to, like, be deemed Jewish enough, I guess, or, like, Jewish to have a bat mitzvah. Which, obviously, my parents didn't have to go through because they're both Jewish. That was some that was some shit that I didn't uh, ever, really ever, I've never really think about it all that much. But I, I used to believe in God because of how I was raised. Right, I'm sorry, you're a witch. I mean, 100%. <laughs> you're a witch. 100%, 100%. I don't believe in God, I'm a warlock. <laughs> 100%. I'm a druid at heart. Um... But yeah, so I, I, I have met people in my life who do 
have religion and I can appreciate the spiritual guidance that and peace that it seems to give them only because it they don't use it in a harmful way in a way that like puts me down or brings down who I am as a person and they're not like running out there screaming the word to everyone who can hear it and they're not those stereotypical religious fanatics and I think that if that is how religion serves you, no matter what it is, if it's bringing you some sort of, like, peace, I can't, I'm not going to shit on you for that. But the minute you take your perspective and try to tell me that I'm living my life incorrectly because it's not your belief, then we have a fucking problem. No, which is, which is, which is tying back to, like, this critical take on, on Puritanism. Yes, which is tying back to the movie and exactly what's happening now. Like, it, it goes because Thomason's behavior and everything that is happening on that farm goes against, you know, they're like, but we're so good and we're so, we're so godly. How, like, something else must be happening for God to have turned his back on us. No, you literally went to an area of land that is probably inhabitable for a reason and you never thought about it. So no amount of Jesus was going to save you. It was you guys versus the American wilderness. Like, there was nothing that was going to grow there. You picked a dead zone to, like, try to start a farm and a life. Again, the sense of a father from a realistic standpoint. You know, but that but there's also this supernatural element, which you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. We're just we're just airing all kinds of shit hey. today. We knew this was gonna it's happen. Good. It's fine. Uh, I guess. Um, I guess. What What are your? So th- this is probably like what the fifth, sixth time, seventh time you've watched. You watched this movie a lot, haven't you? Yeah, I would say about six or seven. I guess. What's your favorite part of the film? Baby, Baby salsa. salsa. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> honestly, the end mm, where yes, the coven. You see that the the coven, and she finally, when she's being lifted into the air, and you see that she's like relaxed, and she's like fully realizing herself, and the control that she actually has. It's a very cathartic moment. It's a very cathartic moment. Honestly, all I wanted to do before recording this was to sit down and watch Midsummer because I need that like catharsis moment of just like a group of women screaming together because it felt very yes, nice. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> we should just I, all go in the woods. All go in the woods and start a and fire. Just scream. <laughs> Let's just all right. I you know what? I'm down. Um, but yeah, it's really it's the end. It's that relief. It's that release. It's that knowing like. She's yes, she's on her own, but she's not alone. There's a whole group of women there with her. And again, yes, it goes back to having a community, having a coven. You rely on each other, but you're not judging there is there is no one judging anyone at the end of that movie. Y'all are nude dancing in front of a fire under a full moon. I I love I love like to me my favorite movie was when the shoe drops, like all you know, uh, at the end of the film with the reveal of Black Phillip, all throughout the film, especially if you haven't seen it before, 
you're you're constantly torn between is this actually supernatural stuff going on or or is it like like uh like the shining like you're in this isolated place and is it the madness of isolation or is it yeah, actually the is devil? It, is it ca- is it cabin fever or the devil? And it can, but it can't be both. And I love I love how it like it was both in this movie. It was fantastic. Yeah, just like Thomason is just just having the roughest time ever. She murks her mom out of self defense and that reveal where like Black Philip is actually Lucifer. And it's like, whoa. And it's like, I love that. But it's not even, it's not even just the reveal of him talking. What I love the most about that scene is you see him basically from like knee to boot, all in black, just like walk behind her. And then the next time you see Black Philip, he's a goat. So he's going to move on to like another farm and... You're just going to, you know, I guess there is an argument that could be made and I really don't want to make this argument right now, but you know, it's what we do. There is an argument to be made that y'all were recruited by a man, but you know, we're just not going to go there right now because I need the catharsis of the end of the movie where Thomason is like naked and still covered in blood, her mom's blood. But she's free. And she's like reborn. In a way. She literally was (laughs) baptized in her mother's blood. The way you come into this world. She signs the book. And she is free. And she is reborn as, like, her own woman. I, lo- I love that. Like, that, that you know, Black Phillip, the reveal. That, that's why I, qu- I quoted that line in the beginning. Like, it's like, would you, would you love to live deliciously? Would you like the taste of butter? It's like, oh, my God. Yes, I love it. It's like all of these things that they told you were bad and sinful. Do you want them because it's not as bad as they're because it they're actually be. good for you and right. Like, <laughs> and it's okay to treat yourself. Yeah, it's okay sure. to want things because it's yeah. oh, because it's human. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. And like so much yeah. of religion, you know, it, you know, Christianity in particular, like they, 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 they tell you what you can't do, not what you can do. The, the, the worldly, the bodily is bad. The, the sin is in the flesh and you should, the, the war, the, your do not, do not waste time on worldly pleasures. You know, spend your time here to build up to you, your treasure, your reward in heaven. But, you know, sure. I mean, I mean, uh, that requires faith and faith is by its very definition, something you can't prove it. You just have to believe hard enough or you just, but like at the same time, you don't really, you don't, we don't know what's beyond this mortal portal. So I, 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 I like to think like, I, I'm kind of straight edge, but I like to think I, I like, I'm a hedonist. Like I like, I like worldly pleasures. I like, like yeah, treat yourself. That's like my motto. Says the guy who went to London for the first time on a work trip and got a tattoo. Yes, for the first, exactly. His first tattoo. He, he was like, when in London, <laughs> right? Like you know, you did. You wanted to do something and you fucking yes. did it. Yes, yes. Thanks, Black Philip. You're a real one. <laughs> I would too love to live deliciously. I I said this. I I think I said this at the beginning of the pandemic. I I really wanted nothing more than to like. Just go exist in the in the woods away from people where I could like scream into the ether and no one would hear me, but I would feel a lot better. It's kind of like that. 
Except we're in a different kind of dystopia now. I know, I know the pandemic is still happening, but I mean, it's, 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 it's okay to worry about multiple things and different things. Like, yes, we are in the movie Outbreak. We are in the movie or the TV series Contagion and A Handmaid's Tale and whatever type of bullshit you're going on here. So, yeah. I, I always, now I don't have children, but I have lots of younger cousins. And when they were growing up, I always encouraged them to ask questions. Because I'm never going to lie to them because I'm not their parent. Now, that's not to say that if I became a parent, I would lie. I don't believe in lying. I got lied to a lot as a kid, so I don't believe in lying to your children. Adults aren't perfect. And that is like a parent's greatest fear is to is to not is to show your kids that you're not perfect, that you don't have all the answers. I got news for you. I would have loved to have seen that my parents were imperfect people and they didn't have all the answers. Instead, they acted like they did. Yeah, I mean, which is, I mean, which is William's sin. Like, he thought he knew. He thought he knew better than the community. There's a reason why your community built where they did. There's, there's this one very telling scene. It's shortly after Samuel disappeared. Catherine's on, like... She's on a prayer bender. She's, yeah, she's very, very unstable and, and, and depression and... You know, yes, that's, you know, she's so right to feel that way. And she calls out so many times to William, like, we should never have left. We we should go back. Um, and like William, <clears throat> William has the gall and the hypocrisy to say, on one hand, um, Catherine, you're focusing too much on Sam. But at the same time... <laughs> You know, he's also focusing too much on his pride. Is like he's refusing to say he's wrong, uh, or, or, or he's refusing to be self-reflective and realize, like I, I may, maybe I'm hanging on to this too much as well. And it's only until too late, and then in his uh, by by, the, by this time when he has his revelation, he, uh, his kids are locked in the the goat house and and then he gets he gets stabbed by black philip and then he's then he's like corruption i am thy friend and he lets himself get smirked he literally gets headbutted like listen asshole like wham like that's like a truth bomb that literally just slammed him in the stomach i also love the fact that uh, uh he gets killed by black philip and it might not be the the horns that did him in it might be the mountain of firewood, like just cr- crushing him. So what? What? That is a pretty his toxic masculinity. His pile of wood kills him. And it's like, well played. That was that was well played. I, I I'm clearly not reading too much into his, but well played. That was very symbolic. I love it. I love it. So all right, we'll lighten this up for like a hot second. So initially, just so everyone knows. We were going to do the new uh, Phil Tippett movie that was out on Shutter called Mad God. It's apparently being called his masterpiece, and it was 30 years in the making. It's a stop-motion animated film, and I was going to watch it on Shutter. and Chris went to the theater to go see it. 
Chris, why don't you tell the Dreadfuls why we're not doing that movie? Uh, so you know, you know, you know what? We're I'm trying to. I'm, I, I, we need we need some air from all of this. So so let like let's lay it on them. So I I I love I love stop motion animation. I've you know I love anything that Leica does. You know, Course Bride, and uh, so this movie the trail looks trippy as hell. It looks like like stop motion heavy metal. And you were very excited about this movie. I was very excited about so this. Was I. And uh and uh Phil Tippett has uh you know great accolades. He worked on like Jurassic Park. I it escapes me. Oh, he worked on Robocop 2. And this was an indie darling according to everyone else. Like apparently he's gotten like really good reviews for the most part, but I hated it. And I coming from me who has such a low bar of entertainment and going to I so this is available on Shutter, but it was also released in limited theaters throughout the country. So my local theater was playing it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool! I want to see it on the big screen." And it was just no. Hold on, you forgot the best part. You walked out of the theater. You were an hour in. Yes, yes. So I'll, let me get. I'll get to that. So I will say this is my grand assault or my disclaimer or whatever. The movie is technically impressive. Like, this is all stop, man- stop motion animation. It also blurs. It also, it also mixes in a little bit of like a live action film or, or, or um, like, I guess other types of traditional filmmaking, but most part, incredibly well designed and well executed stop motion animation. The world and the worlds, like the imagery, it is so grotesque and so strange and bizarre. And on paper, it should have been my cup of tea. I mean, but there, this is a proof that there, there, there is too much of a good thing. And the visuals alone could not carry it. I hated the movie and was so extremely distracted by it that the, the point, like, I couldn't feel like I was immersed. And I was, like, very half distracted. And the movie felt to drag on forever. Again, I stayed in the movie for as long as I thought I could which is like an hour and like 15 minutes. What's the runtime on the movie? Like 83 minutes. You almost made it. I almost made it. I couldn't do it though. Honestly, when you, when I, so I, I was working, I, I started working at three o'clock in the morning that this whole past week. When I woke up and I saw that text from Chris, you should have seen the look at my, the look on my face. Even at 2 a.m., I was shocked because Chris doesn't do that. I don't think I've ever. Right. I, I think I have never. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, it's like, like it's technically beautiful and weird and hor- horrifying. Literally, should be your cup of tea. It should. I was shocked because I, when I read this, I was like, I could go without this, but this is Chris all over. And when he was like, I really want to do Mad God for the episode, I was like, I'm not gonna say no to that. Hell yeah, it's your cup of tea. I'll let you li- like. You'll probably sit here and rant and rave, and I fully expected this to be like. Chris screaming into the ether for 30 minutes about how amazing this movie was. When I woke up the next morning and he was like, I fucking walked out. I was like, oh shit. (laughs) 
I have not watched it yet. I'm still going to try. I might be biased, but I felt like there was zero plot or substance. There was nothing tying it together. It was, It just felt like it, it felt like it was just a meandering walk or descent through one set piece to the other. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you could say like, oh, but the, the genius is that it's simplicity. It's just about like this one guy just walking through these weird vistas of like sci-fi-esque dystopian-esque horror i needed something and i felt like it wasn't i i don't know maybe i i felt like there was zero zero story it was just all gore and like oppressive and like shocking imagery weird imagery and that's that i need more than that at least i i don't know this is also coming from me where like, I have incredibly low standards. Yeah, I read a couple of reviews that are calling it his masterpiece. I, I feel like I'm one of the few detractors from this movie because everyone else I've been seeing is like, everyone's been praising it. Chris would steer clear if it were him. <laughs> yes, I would I would clear it. I, 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 I mean, I would say maybe not see any theaters. If you have Shudder already, cool, you're fine. I actually, I'm gonna log on to Shudder right now because I want to see what the reviews on Shudder are like. I, I don't know if you, if you take Rotten Tomatoes into regard, but it has a 91%, like like average 7.8 out of 10. Oh my God, Chris, you are in the minority, even on Shudder. I know, isn't that weird? Oh, except <laughs> for this one, hold on, this one review. Most scenes are t- far too dry out make no sense it feels like it just wants to gross you out yeah that's like that's honestly how i felt this is not my cup of tea had a hard time deciphering it very original but a bit too bizarre for me i felt like it was just going for all spectacle no substance that's honestly like the you know the elevator pitch of what how i felt about it oh this person said an incisive commentary on capitalism uh i i could see that yeah there's there's like there's definitely you could definitely draw out like allusions to like criticisms of capitalism like anti-war messaging all right this one was from five hours ago let's let's see let's see how this lands with you because this one gave it three out of five just let's see if you agree with this Mm -hmm. i feel this movie is in a very specific lane and if the viewer appreciates that style then it will be adored but if not then it will be 85 minutes of anguish sadly i found myself to be in in the latter camp I use the term movie loosely here as this seems far more of an art piece than a coherent telling of a story. Rather, what we get is a collage of disturbing visual segments, sans dialogue, crafted to deliver a great number of metaphorical themes that a viewer must decipher with little hand-holding. This felt like bits of Eraserhead, Huso, and Tetsuo the Iron Man blended together and then elongated into a full-length tool video. Although this wasn't my cup of tea, I have to give it credit for the absolutely marvelous level of detail in the work. This was very obvious Obviously a labor of love and that passion shines through with a striking brilliance. If you choose to take this ride, just do so with the knowledge that you're in for something very different from what is normally produced today and that may or may not be a bad thing. This would have been one skull for me, but I'm adding a di- an additional two skulls for the superior craftsmanship. That is the best review I've seen. That is that is the legitimately, that is the best review I've seen of this movie. So that person felt feels like it felt very much like you, like one skull, like not worth my time, but they acknowledged 
all of the work and everything else that went into it. Yeah, 30 years. 30 years, and also the movie looks great. Like, the technical effects, great. I will not deny that. But, like, that reviewer said it all. I have nothing more to add. Okay. I do feel a little bit better about watching it. I think part of my hesitation in not watching it, I was like, Chris hated this so much. I don't know if I can, like, muster any sort of energy to, like, devote my time to this. Yeah, we've seen worse. We absolutely have. Um, So maybe I'll get around to watching it eventually. I did see The Black Phone um, last night before this recording, and I enjoyed it. My non-horror movie loving husband even enjoyed it. He just hated the theater watching experience that we went through, which I kind of did too, that I think it would have been a little bit more enjoyable had we watched that at home. But that has nothing to do with the movie. It literally just has to do with the atmosphere we were in. You're also watching an opening weekend, so. Yeah, which I also think had something to do with it. I truly... At like 9.20 at night, I truly did not think that the amount of people that were going to be in that theater were going to be there. Because I didn't think this was going to be on that many people's lists. I think, I mean, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, but think about everything that's also coming out around the same time that I thought, like, this came out the same weekend as Elvis, which... I also want to see on like a different level, but I would have thought that the black phone just like wouldn't have been for everybody. I was really shocked at the number of people that were in that theater. I really was. Well, that's good. I mean, horror, horror is making a comeback or? I, I think, I think horror's back, but this was, this was definitely different. I want Ethan Hawke's mask in this movie. I thought his acting was great. I thought that the trajectory for this movie and the way they moved it along was perfect. This movie was only like an hour and 40 minutes. It was the perfect length. If it had been any longer than that, it would have dragged. And I haven't read the short story. So I I do want to do that at some point. You know, you know what we should do? I think we should just like, you know, like fair use stuff. We should just like read our favorite just read some random short stories on on the podcast. Okay, I'm down. Yeah, just, just do some audio drama stuff and like maybe add some spooky sound. We'll just do some story times instead of some episodes. We'll have a story time. Yeah. Read some creepy pastas. Read some short stories. Okay. Uh, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be like a nice new segment. And I'm down. Yeah, let's let's go for it. So now that we've had a palate cleanser, <laughs> a palate cleanser, if you will, let's go back to the witch. We'll try to leave out as much of the real life stuff as possible. Do you have any like final thoughts and a rating about the witch? Or I think even now this movie just I guess accidentally becomes more timely and becomes harder to watch, but also more relatable. Um, I recently read. Uh, an article that um, the director can't watch this movie anymore. Like, he doesn't like to watch it. Because it's... Oh, because it's too real? Or or did he develop as a as a director and I think I think it's because he he watches it now and he's like this wasn't what I wanted it to be or you know I think it just might like be a personal thing for him like I don't think it I, he just doesn't feel like he's as excited about it now as he did when it first came out that's interesting which since then he's done the lighthouse and and the northmen so which are also big big expansive auteur art house films as well i do i do really want us to cover the lighthouse for willem a multitude Defoe. of reasons the willem one Defoe. of them being willem <laughs> defoe is in this um and it has the similar isolation paranoia themes that you do sort of see in the witch but it's obviously set in a very different setting i heard that the actors went through hell because it was ice 
rain, wa- ice cold water, mud. He put them through like unbearable conditions, not because he wants to torture the actors, but because it is the world that it's taking place in. It's like, this is what was going on. So we're going, not like, I don't want to make him sound like a pretentious asshole, but that's the setting that his movie took place in. So that's what they're filming in. Mm. Um, so I do definitely want to cover the lighthouse now that we've done the witch. Yeah. To sort of see what, like how he's progressing so far. I've also heard that like, you don't go and watch the Northmen for accurate Norse no, 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 no. Which I could have told you that. I didn't think that was the premise of the movie. Like, it's it's fantastical, but all right. I had a very, very spirited conversation with my coworker, Marissa, about about how misleading the Norseman trailers are. It was. You, you, Wait, you saw it, right? I haven't seen it because, okay. of, because my coworker, she was like, very very disappointed like like are you expecting like like viking fight scenes and 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 like straight like 90 minutes of of raiding and pillaging and and the viking and like this this tale like a, a viking version of hamlet like a story of revenge and it's like you're not getting any of that it's like oh okay i think i dodged the bullet all right well we'll cover that too no i'm kidding i do definitely want to do the lighthouse though um, as far as the witch is concerned, I give it five out of five Black Phillips. Amazing. Amazing. Because I too would like to live deliciously. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I think for <laughs> me, I, I, I think I've really already stated everything I enjoyed about this film. Um, it's very smart, very well written. Uh, characters are well developed and the, the cast is incredible, especially Anya Taylor-Joy as Thomason, uh, Ralph Ineson as William. I think I think uh, you know, like, I think those two stand out uh, obviously because like I think they had the most lines, uh, but everyone else had, like was was firing on all cylinders. I think the kid that played Caleb was actually something to watch on screen. I like I I feel like some of his scenes are like a little bit weak, but like that one his death scene was just so haunting and chilling. It's like yo Caleb, kid Caleb, played by uh, Harvey Scrimshaw, like incredible. That is like. Easily one of the most terrifying moments of the film. Uh, and I, I, I just appreciate how smart and well-crafted this movie is. It's commentary. Like, I live for this, like, liberal arts. Let's, let's, let's discuss this from a religious, philosophical, historical standpoint. I, I, I eat that shit up. Uh, so that was, it was a very fun experience of, like, doing research and checking out what other people thought about the film and, taking, and their viewpoints. So, yeah. Uh, so I will also give this, uh, I'll give this five out of five witch covens. And for me, this is my first time watching it. So if you're listening to this and maybe it's your first time, I would be very curious to hear about, uh, your takeaways. On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread. Our amazing new cover art is by Liz Van Hootie. Our intro and outro music is from Pandemic Sound. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every other Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dread You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Finally, 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 don't forget to check out our merch store at tpublic.com. The link will be in our bio and the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Live deliciously, and don't forget. Damn!
No, 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 no!